What is the essence of our faith? Here's Pastor Xavier Reese. Paul the Apostle told the Colossians, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, philosophia, the love of wisdom. Empty deceit, and not according to Christ. Anytime someone says, it's the Bible plus something else, get away from them. Anytime somebody says, well, that's okay, but I mean, the Bible's all right, but it's not the only authority. Get away from them. It's Christ and Christ alone. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Scriptures tell us there's only one way to heaven, but unfortunately Satan has crafted the deceit of religion in order to lead many good people to the path that leads directly to the gates of hell. Today, Pastor Xavier helps unveil the danger of those who are leading many astray. Revelation chapter 17 Verse 1 through 6, the message entitled, Babylon the Mother of Harlots. The Bible is clear about the world coming under a one world power. It's going to be a marriage of politics and religion. And John gives to us some very important details of these events in chapter 17 and 18. And so what we want to do is look closely at the religious woman, Babylon. Um, Let me read verse 1 through 6. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come and I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filth of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth." I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. We're going to just stop there, okay? Here's the threefold perspective about this religious woman. First, verse 1 and 2, we have the judgment of the woman. Secondly, verse 3 and 4, the identity of the woman. And verse 5 and 6, the character of the woman. Of the woman. The judgment of the woman found in verse 1 and 2. Notice in verse 1, the angel told John to come and to see the judgment of the great harlot. She is depicted as great, the one who has greatly perverted the most natural and holy union of marriage. That's why she's called the great harlot. There are many descriptions, we don't have the time to go through it this morning, that locate where this woman is, and we're going to see that it's unmistakably Rome, okay? Notice in verse 2, the angel disclosed to John her clientele. The kings of the earth commit fornication, declaring her power of seduction. This is spiritual unfaithfulness. To the true and living God, an allusion to Jeremiah 51.7 again. She is representative of religion who has corrupted the true relationship of the oneness of God and man. And therefore she commits 
spiritual fornication. Notice the woman has been unfaithful to God and his word. She has had a long history. In fact, from the beginning of the time with the kings of the earth. Her opposition to God began with Nimrod. Nimrod led people away from God. He erected the Tower of Babel in attempts to establish a religious system for men to go through him to get to God, Genesis 10 and 11. So you have the opposition to God way back in Genesis at the fall. In Babylon, we have the beginning of religion. In Rome, we have the culmination of religion. In the two, we have a complete cycle ready for the judgment of God. She will give rise to the Antichrist, but then he cannot stand competition or, or dividing power, so he will destroy her. And look at verse 17. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose, to be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. The judgment of the woman is certain. Absolutely certain. Now, let's look at the identity of the woman in verse 3 and 4. In verse 3, the woman's relationship to the beast is given to us. John was carried once again in the spirit as from Patmos to the place of the future time. She is in control of the beast, the Antichrist, as she sits on him at first. Notice she is in a marriage of religion and politics. The seven heads and ten horns identify the religious and political marriage of the two into one. The headquarters is on the seven mountains where the woman sits. That is given to us in verse 9 and other portions. It's pretty hard to remove the Vatican from seven hills, Rome. That's been her address <laughs> from the beginning. This is the revival of the Roman Empire, a revived Roman Empire, according to Daniel's ten toes from the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. Here's the image, revived Roman Empire, Daniel 2.42. Now notice in verse 4, the woman's relationship to her wealth is given to us. The woman is seen as arrayed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stone and pearls. These are the colors of royalty, imperialism. They are reserved for the popes only and cardinals. Paul II made it illegal for anyone but cardinals to ever wear scarlet hats. Archbishop Marcello wrote a church ceremony book 300 years ago. He describes five articles of the Pope and cardinals, all of scarlet. He describes a vest of pearls and mitre of gold and precious stones. The wealth of the Roman Catholic Church is so indescribable that it would be impossible to accurately assess it, not to mention the wealth of all other religions that will join her system under this headship of religion and politics. The study of history reveals to us the effectiveness of the marriage of religion and politics as a union. The kingdom of Nimrod was joined to the worship of the zodiac in creation. The kingdom of Babel was joined to the worship of Baal and Ashtoreth. The kingdom of Greece was joined with the worship of mythological gods. The kingdom of Rome was joined with the worship of Caesar. The politics 
and the subordinate of gods. Ultimately, Caesar became a god. The kingdoms of the past, such as Spain, England, if you know your history, were always made strong with that dual union of the Catholic Church and the kings. On October 28, 1958, when Pope John XXIII was elected, he became the most famous pope due to the fact that he declared that his, in his papal encyclical his desire to have a one-world government and a one-world church. That is still her goal. Dave Hunt in his book, and I would recommend that you get his book, The Woman Rides a Beast, says the following. Listen, the Tower of Babel fills the official poster for the 12-nation United Europe, whose new currency depicts a woman sitting on a beast, whoa, circling above the unfinished tower are 12 stars. Unlike those in the American flag, however, these are upside down, thus forming a pentagram of classical occultism. The pentagram with these two horns pointing upward and his beard downward is also known as the goat of Mendes or Bamphomet, a symbol of Satan. We've seen that the Antichrist is going to be directly from Satan. We see that this religious woman is going to give rise to him. We see the marriage of religion and politics together. Listen to Paul, 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 and 10. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusions. God will send them strong delusions that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe in the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They rejected the truth, so God gives them over to the lie. They cannot blame God. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, our prayer is that you come to know Christ. Our prayer is that you repent from your sins. If you end up in hell, you will not be able to blame us, God, or anyone else. You get to choose where you spend eternity. No one else. And that is based on who you believe Jesus Christ is. Whether he is the son of God who died for you or a fraud. One of the two. The scriptures tell us that once the church is removed at the rapture, this false church will be the focus and the center of attention and power upon the earth. And Paul the Apostle told the Colossians in Colossians 2, 8 and 9, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, philosophia, the love of wisdom. Empty deceit, according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principle of the world, the ABCs, and not according to Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the guided bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and powers. Anytime someone says it's the Bible plus something else, get away from them. Anytime somebody says, well, that's okay, but I mean, the Bible's all right, but it's not the only authority, get away from them. When somebody says there's mistakes in the Bible, get away from them. It's Christ and Christ alone and no one else. Now notice the character of the woman is given to us in verses 5 and 6. 
In verse 5, the woman has not always been revealed so clear in the past. The woman's character is described or ascribed on her forehead for all to see now. Her veil has been removed, literally. Her evil and treacherous character has been cunningly disguised throughout the past, but not always completely. If they will look beyond her outward beauty and trappings, they will know exactly who she is. But that's the thing about a hooker. She attracts you. She draws you in. The proverb speaks of the young man who's foolish walking around. The harlot sees him. He says, ah, I'm going to go get him. He said, come, let's have our fill of love together. My master's left with a purse. I don't know when he's coming back. And I've made my morning sacrifices to the gods. And let's take our love and our fill of love together. Interesting. The woman's name is Mystery Babylon the Great. It describes her subtle character. The word mystery, as you know, mysterion, means something previously hidden but now made known. So there's nothing mysterious about this. She's, she's unveiled here. The same word is used for the church in Ephesians 3, 1 and 9. The woman had her beginning, as we have seen, in the Babylonian system. And we have seen that she has been in opposition to God from the beginning. But not until John reveals her ultimate role in the last days, which is here, is her great evil and her character Revealed. She takes no prisoners. She deceives. She's proficient. She's been around for a long time. She knows all the tricks of the trade. She has survived them all. The title Babylon the Great represents three things. The woman's origin was Nimrod's system at Babel. She is the source of all. She's called a mother. You may have different religions, but the source is her. Second, the woman's title was known for her opposition to God and revelation of God's worship. She opposes. Religion is not a step towards God. Religion is a step away from God. And thirdly, the woman's title declares her authority and power. The great. Now notice verse 6. The woman is said to be responsible for the blood of the saints and the martyrs of Jesus. She is seen by John intoxicated with the blood of the saints. This identifies all those who belong to God and have suffered at her hand to the point of death. These certainly identify those during the great tribulation that are going to be killed by the Antichrist, but all throughout history. Sir Robert Anderson on Scotland Yard estimated that Rome was guilty of 50 million Christians in the Inquisition. Now, I always hear about the 6 million Jews, and there's nothing wrong with that. We should never forget that. But how about the 50 million Christians that Rome killed, and she's swept them under the carpet, and those she continues to kill throughout the world that oppose her? Eight times more Christians were put to death as heretics in the Inquisition than any other group because they would not confess or agree to the beliefs of the Roman Catholic Church. Christians 
All was done in the name of Christ by the direct order of the vicar of Christ, the Pope. Notice she caused John to marvel with great admiration and amazement due to her treachery, due to her murderous acts and crimes, due to her abuse of power and authority, due to the fact that she called herself the Church of God or Church of Christ, (laughs) due to the fact that she will be judged by God for injustices and her thirst for power, turning her own thirst on her own destruction by the hand of the Antichrist, as verse 16 and 17 of the chapter tells us. The woman acquires her great power and has acquired her great power particularly in two periods of history. The first being the period of the Church of Pergamos, 312 to 600 A.D. Constantine, as you know, he thought that God called him to conquer. He had a vision. He saw the right and conquer. So he commanded everybody to be a Christian. And all of a sudden, Christians were not persecuted any longer. Bishops were honored, and they sat on thrones with noble Roman emperors, giving up the truth of the second coming, professing that they had made a mistake. And that the Constantine Empire was literally Christ's kingdom. And the Roman Catholic Church declared that she is God's kingdom on earth. And she also taught that the first thousand years she would represent and then Christ would return. After the thousand years, she had to change her dogma. Interesting. During this historical period, the Catholic Church issued the following dogmas as from God, equal to Scripture. Prayer for the dead, 300 A.D. Worship of the saints and angels, 375. Worship of Mary, 431 A.D. Priests began to dress differently than the laity, 500 A.D. Extreme unction of the priests, 526 A.D. Doctrine of purgatory was introduced, 593 A.D. 600 A.D., prayer directed to Mary. Now the second period during which the church obtained its full power was during the church of Thyatira, as we saw, from 600 to 1500 A.D. These are generally known as the Dark Ages. Due to the lack of advancement in society and science and knowledge, because the Catholic Church was an absolute power and authority and it suppressed everything. And that's why after the dark, you have the Enlightenment, the Renaissance, all of that, and they just divorce themselves from God because the Catholic Church has so devastated people under the name of God. They denied advancements, everything else. During the historical period, the Catholic Church continued to issue more dogmas that they were said to be divinely inspired. Kissing the Pope's feet, 709. Not that they didn't exist before this, but this is when the dogmas were made. 850 AD, the use of holy water. 950 AD, canonization of dead saints. 998 AD, fasting on Friday and Lent. 1079 AD, celibacy of the priests. Prior to that, all priests were married. Interesting. 1090 AD, prayer beads or the rosary. 1184, the Inquisition. 1190 A.D., sale of indulgences. You can buy your sins forgiven. Rome became wealthy through this and still does. 1215 A.D., transubstantiation. That means the host and the wine literally turn into the literal body and the literal blood of Christ. Blasphemous. That means he dies every time. The book of Hebrews says he died once and for all. 1220 A.D., adoration of the host. 1229 A.D., the Bible was forbidden to the layman. 1414 A.D., the cup was forbidden to the people of communion. 
1439 AD, the doctrine of purgatory was decreed. 1545, the tradition granted equal authority to the Bible. That means anything they said, anything they taught is the same authority as the Bible. 1546 A.D., the apocryphal books were put into the Bible. Those are those extra books between Malachi and Matthew that no one accepts. They're historical books. That's when it was accepted. Only by the Catholic Church. 1854 A.D., the Immaculate Conception of Mary. 1870, the infallibility of the Pope declared. 1930, public schools were condemned by the Pope. 1950, the Assumption of the Virgin Mary. 1965 A.D., Mary proclaimed mother of the church at Vatican II under the title of advocate and helper, benefactress, magiatrix. 1997, Cardinal John O'Connor quietly supported a movement within the Catholic Church to elevate Mary to expand the Trinity, playing multiple roles, daughter of God the Father, mother of Jesus Christ, and spouse of the Holy Spirit, teaching a holy quartet. In support of this, 4.3 million signatures have been collected worldwide and have accepted and declared this new dogma of Rome will make Mary equal in status with Jesus Christ teaching a holy quartet in place of the Holy Trinity. That was 1997. The number of lives taken by Rome is unbelievable. The wealth of her properties and how she obtained them are just horrible. Pope Gregory XI, his papal bull of 1372 claimed papal dominion over the entire Christian world, secular and religious, and excommunicated all who failed to obey the Pope to pay taxes. And the taxes of Rome just robbed everybody. Pope Alexander VI, 1492 to 1503, claimed that all undiscovered lands belong to the Roman pontiff for him to dispose of them as he pleases in the name of Jesus Christ as his vicar. The descendants of the Aztecs, the Incas, the Mayas were all given the choice by the Catholic priests. You convert, which literally meant you be our slaves, or you die. Guess what happened? You ever hear of an Incan, a Mayan, an Aztec? And we can go on and on. There are so many. But you need to understand where this woman comes from. You need to understand her power. In fact, the Vatican cannot escape its responsibility for the Nazi Holocaust. In 1936, Bishop Burning of Osnabrück had talked with the Fuhrer for over an hour. Hitler assured his lordship there was no fundamental difference between National Socialism and the Catholic Church. So he said, there's no difference between the Catholic Church and the Nazi party. Had not the church, he said, looked on the Jew as parasite and shut them in ghettos? Because that's what the Catholic Church did. I'm only doing, Hitler said, he boasted, what the church has done for 1,500 years, only more effectively. Being a Catholic himself, he told Burning, he admired and wanted to promote Christianity. I don't have time this morning, but the Pope has been embedded with everywhere from Mussolini to Hitler to everything else. This is the threefold perspective about the Scarlet Woman, Babylon, the great mother of harlots and of abominations on the earth. The judgment of the woman is certain. The identity of the woman is unmistakable. 
and the character of the woman is ungodly. Don't mistake her. Don't get sucked in by her. She'll take your head off. Absolutely. Pastor Xavier Reese with a stern warning against false religion. And you can request a copy of today's intriguing message called Babylon, the Mother of Harlots. We can send you a copy for only $4 on CD. And this message also contains what Pastor Xavier talked about the last time we were together. So the title to ask for once again is Babylon, the Mother of Harlots. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please, it's important that you tell us the call letters of this station when you contact us. God's love for His own is unfailing in spite of their response to Him. Learn more when you join Pastor Xavier Reese as he brings us more simple truths from the book of Revelation. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com